Welcome to Geek Exploration, the podcast, where we fight for truth, justice, and the American way. I'm Ben Robinson. And I'm John Williams. Take your glasses off, rip your shirts open. We're talking the man of steel himself, Superman. Hey, Ben. Hey, John. How are you doing? I'm doing well now. We're through the holidays. It is a new year. It's a fresh start. I just got over getting that nasty bug that's going around, so I've been hacking my lungs up all week long. Yeah, I've been avoiding my wife. She got the same thing. Yeah, it's really weird. We we got it along the same like time schedule also. You've been kissing my wife, John? Uh, you wish it was just kissing. <laughs> Um, so here we are starting off the new year, uh, in one of my favorite ways, like, holy shit, there is a, there's no topic that I am more excited and more terrified to, to cover here. It took us 15 months to get around to your favorite thing. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's one of those topics that I knew we'd get around to eventually. Like we, we did comics uh, as a whole, but there's definitely some of those that deserve their own episode. We've talked about Batman. We've talked about X-Men. I'm sure Spider-Man's going to get his own episode, but I never really wanted to push too hard for Superman because to the uninitiated out there, surprise, surprise, Superman is my favorite fictional character of all time, hands down, bar none, like 100%. How many pairs of Superman underwear do you currently own? Currently? None, I don't think. Jeez, oh, John. Uh, in my old age, I've gotten a little more discerning about what I put against my, my giblets. And they're not usually that comfortable. I may have one just laying around as like a like a gag. Yeah, that's true. They don't make any good, high-quality superhero underpants for adults. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? And I get, I get in enough trouble when I'm looking at the kids' undies. <laughs> yeah, well, on, on the bright side, the obesity epidemic is uh, getting there maybe maybe there'll be fat kid underwear that we can fit into <laughs> totally yeah um so i understand that the the love for superman is not as prominent with the the general populace as it is with me so i've never really pushed the idea of doing a superman episode um it was more from you actually you uh you suggested it a couple times and i was like oh well i don't know i mean i don't know if people but you know finally fuck it let's do it well, yeah, this show's all about us talking about our geeky passions, and uh, you don't have any geeky passion that burns brighter than your love for Superman, so it's something we had to do. That is the truth. You know, ever since I was a little kid, like, Superman was it. Like, as as far as I can remember, Superman's been in my life. Um, he was sort of, he's sort of like the the moral compass. You know, some people have Jesus, but, like, I've, I've, I've got Superman. He does what's right because it's right. You know, I, I was a piece of shit in my 20s, you know, but it was it was one of those things like I knew what I was supposed to be doing, you know, even though I wasn't doing it because, you know, some people can imagine, you know, like, what what would you do if Jesus was standing there? Like, I don't do that. But what, how would I feel if Superman was sitting there watching me do this? I'm like, oh, I'm so ashamed. You got a what would Superman do bracelet? Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, growing up, my dad was uh, was in sales for, with the company he worked for and he was gone, you know, Monday through Thursday or Friday every week. And in some way, I'm sure a, a psychiatrist could figure it out better. But I, I 
probably looked up to Superman as like a father figure, but that's probably getting a little, uh, little deeper than we need to. But that, that also influenced, you know, like, like when we've talked about Ninja Turtles, my favorites, Leonardo, when, when we're talking X-Men, Cyclops is my favorite. Captain America is my favorite Avenger. You know, I, I've always gravitated towards the, uh, the boy scout. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the leaders and the people who are more pure. I love Batman, but like, I never really got into like, the Wolverines and the the Gambits and I'm okay with Punisher. Yeah, the 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 rough, edgy heroes. Yeah, Punisher's not even edgy. He's just brutal. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he is a murderer. Yeah, he's beyond edgy. Yeah, but at least he's murdering assholes. Yeah, for the most part. So as much as it saddens me, like I know that Superman is not the most popular character in the world anymore. He hasn't been since we were kids, like in the mid '80s when. You know, fucking Frank Miller came out with uh, Dark Knight Returns and turned Superman into a into a joke who just, you know, sucks the dick of the American government and does whatever uh, whatever they want him to. Um, And everything ever since then, it seems it it became cool to hate Superman. I think since about that time, the uh, the cult of the antihero has grown dramatically. Yeah. You look at a lot of the TV shows produced today and the heroes are not morally pure you know they are flawed and a hero should have some flaws like that's important Mm -hmm. but the the anti-hero seems to have risen to uh prominence i don't know but that's what people want to read about today they don't want to read about you know the the pure-hearted moral compass hero they want to read about the one with uh drug problems or you know flaws that they can relate to maybe yeah i I think relating is the best term to use for that because you know, I'm sure in the in the movie Man of Steel, when Superman, you know, uh, before he's Superman, gets a beer poured on him and shit. And then he like he goes and jacks that truck up. People are like, oh, fuck, yeah, Superman, get him back. You know, because that's that's not something that Superman would normally do. But it is something that everybody would want to do. You know, like get that asshole back for being an asshole. Yeah. And that's and that's one of the problems with Superman is that he is kind of hard to relate to sometimes because his problems are totally different than yours. His problems are so much bigger than all of yours, you fucking assholes. Yeah, he just, uh, you know, most of the problems you have, Superman does not have. Yeah. Unless you're like really, really strong and you've got a hemophiliac wife or something. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think about the uh, the whole Superman as a Jesus allegory thing? Because he kind of is. You know, I've, I feel like he's become a Jesus allegory, especially in like uh, in movies and pop culture like both man of steel and superman returns like has a moment where he's floating in space like doing the cross arms thing i'm like holy shit but i've always fought against the 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 jesus allegory because i always saw him more as a moses allegory you know he was created by a couple of jewish teens back in uh 1938 and you know the story of moses his parents put him in a basket and float him down the river where he's found and uh, and raised and he becomes a hero, right? It sounds pretty familiar. Oh, yeah, you're right. I never even thought about that. Oh, yeah. He's totally Moses. Well, yeah, he's like come here to lead us to the light. Yeah. Through his example and, and exemplary power. So I get it, especially once they once they killed Superman off and he he was resurrected, you know, like that that is hard to deny the the jesus of it but um yeah but you know all comic book heroes (laughs) die and then get resurrected that is true (laughs) it's just part of the shtick man yeah no one stays dead forever unless they weren't popular 
Now, what what is your personal feelings of Superman? Because it, it's come up often enough over the uh, the year plus that we've been doing this that anybody, unless this unless this is their first or second episode, people have heard me talk about Superman. Everyone knows I love Superman, but I'm curious how you feel about the character in general. I like Superman. I think he's got a place in the DC universe. Um, you know, he is a bit of a, he's a good foil to Batman. Like they've got a good uh, dynamic going because they're both, they're both no kill superheroes, you know, so they've both got their moral compasses, but their methodology is very different and their power set is incredibly different. Mm-hmm. You know, a Batman's got no superpowers at all, but he's, you know, he still manages to run into the same fights that uh, Superman does. And so I think, uh, you know, as a, as a standalone character, he's um, difficult to write for, I think. And there are definitely some less than stellar Superman stories because when you have a, a, a hero like that, that's so overpowered that it has as much ability as he does, the, you have to throw different challenges at him. It can't just be, you know, here's this thing he needs to punch out of existence. You have to kind of play to his flaws or his things that will challenge him. You know, So his his main challenge isn't so much defeating the bad guy, but defeating the bad guy without killing him and with while causing minimal collateral damage. Yeah, see, that's that's something that's been an argument for of uh, comic book writers for years, that they just they don't want to write Superman because too hard to write for because he's too overpowered, like you just said. But one thing that 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 has always stood out to me, like when somebody says that, like when a professional writer says, I can't write for this character because they they're too overpowered. To me, that sounds like an admission of not being good enough. Like that's how it's, that's how it's always come off to me. It's like, no, you just can't write Superman because you can't think of something. Like there are things out there. There are great Superman stories where, you know, if you want to challenge him, even though his his father on Krypton was the you know smartest man around or whatever. So Superman, especially back in the olden days, was a very smart dude. Um, it's only later on that they that they made Batman the smart one, so they had to really take Superman down a peg in that department. But you you play on intelligence and emotion, in my opinion. You know, like, unless you're going to do a, do a doomsday and just have somebody punch Superman to death. Uh, yeah, I just reread The Death of Superman. And uh, yeah, he just, doomsday just moitalizes everybody. Yeah. I mean, for me, there are some really good stories that challenge the the core of of Superman in his mind and in his heart, you know, where it's like giving him challenges that he can't punch his way out of. And it's very possible. Yeah, I just today this morning finished reading uh, All-Star Superman. Oh, shit. that was a great Superman story. All-Star Superman to me, that is my number one Superman story. Um, came out a few years back. It was Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely on the art duties. And I'm, I'm not a big Frank Quitely fan, but for some reason in this book, it worked. DC Comics back then started the All-Star line as an answer to Marvel's Ultimate line, where it was like, let's do continuity-free comic books. So it's just, let's get top-tier talent to tell a story for the ages. And they gave Grant Morrison free reign, and thank goodness he didn't go full Grant Morrison and just turn it into like a uh, incomprehensible mess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely had a lot of threads that kind of came together, but it was done well. Yeah, I mean, he he had 12 issues to to tell like the ultimate Superman story, and it took everything from any everything you loved from Superman, no matter what age you are. You know, it pulled from the Silver Age. 
Yeah, the, it, it reinvented concepts like in the old days to get into his Fortress of Solitude, there was a giant key that he would have, you know, that only he could lift to, to put in this giant lock. Instead, they give you a little tiny like house key, but it's made out of like dwarf star material or something. So it's got a density that nobody can pick up besides him. It played off the the lowest love aspect of everything in a in a really tasteful way. I love how well, here's a spoil. Oh, no, I don't want I don't want to go into spoilers because I want people to read this. But um it's designed as like what could be the last Superman story. Well, I don't think that's really a spoiler because uh, Oh, I know I avoided the spoiler. I mean, are you talking about like him dying? Yeah, but no, because, well, I I wanted to go to a specific moment that oh, okay, is yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah cuz it's it's like within the first six pages or so you it starts out basically him learning that he's going to die yeah and then it's all about how he could kind of set up his legacy and make sure that the earth is safe and and and, and some of the best superman stories are the ones where he is dying or leaving or you know the end because it really brings out the character and what he actually cares about yeah and in in this in this story it illustrates Something that that all, in my opinion, the best Superman story, il- stories illustrate that he will find a way like he is put up against near insurmountable odds and he finds a way to beat, in this case, Lex Luthor, you know, like Lex Luthor hatches this ultimate plan and his Lex Luthor is fucking brilliant. Oh, I love his Luthor. Like he's Lex so Luthor, good. He, he's supposed to be the smartest man on earth. And that's why he's such a good foil for Superman is because. He can't punch Superman to death. Superman cannot outthink him. Superman will find a way to win, but it's not because he got ahead of Lex Luthor. It's because, you know, Lex Luthor either didn't anticipate something or underestimated. Or overestimated his own. Yes. Competence. And I love how, like, like they, this, uh, this story even has, like, cute little moments of, like, you know, Superman having to fight like mythical gods for Lois's love for a date with Lois. Yeah, it's just an all around fun story that has a good, complete Superman in it. Yeah, like you, you really get a lot of insight into his character. And like you said, Luther is great. And I think he really embodies the comic fans that dislike Superman. Yeah, he dislikes Superman for the same reason the actual people <laughs> dislike Superman. He's the normal too, people. <laughs> yeah, he's he's too overpowered. He's lessening the meaning of humanity by existing. Well, and the great thing is that Grant Morrison is smart enough to know that. Like you know that wasn't on accident. Like he was he was telling a story where he's like, "I love Superman. I love all of this stuff about Superman, and I'm going to acknowledge why you don't love Superman, but I'm going to tell you why you should." Yeah. And some of the favorite Superman stories that I've read are the kind of out of continuity ones where they don't have to deal with the baggage of what's going on in the universe. They can kind of just be free yeah, and do the fun things they want to do. That's kind of a callback to the Silver Age. Like after Superman started, you know, when he first showed up, he was just a he was a strong man. You know, he could only the, the whole the whole expression of leap tall buildings in a single bound, like he could only jump really high. You know, he was strong enough to lift a car. But like he was probably closer to Spider-Man level strength and he was like a champion of the people. But then in the Silver Age, they super powered him up. But what was great about that was they told little one off stories for the most part. There was you didn't have to worry about continuity back then. Like you could kill Superman off in an issue and say, oh, it's just an imaginary tale. And the next one, you're good. And nobody's going, well, 
four months ago, you know, Superman and Lois went on a date. So why is she, you know, talking about going, having never been on a date with him now? That's a poor example, but that sort of thing. You didn't worry about continuity back then. It was like back in like the, in like the mid eighties when they, when they reset the universe, um, where, where everything had to follow a, a proper timeline and be beholden to it. Well, I think that, yeah, it was a conscious decision because after crisis on infinite earths, they were like, all right, people are starting to care about continuity because before that it was kind of a pulp medium, you know, it was kind of something you'd read and enjoy and throw away. It wasn't a, it wasn't necessarily trying to tell a unified story yeah. across all the books in a shared universe. You know, I mean, when most of these guys came out, it wasn't even clear that they existed in the same universe. Yeah, that's true. Much less had to keep each other in mind when telling stories. And then when in the eighties, when they decided that they were going to do that, they kind of just had to scrap everything before it. Yeah. It's like, all right, we're going to toss all of these alternate universes and different stories and we're going to get rid of them and we're going to start over from scratch. And I, th- I think that it definitely changed the way the books read, but I think it also led to some of the best stories to come out of uh, DC comics. Yeah. And that, I mean, that era lasted until they decided to do it again for the new 52. <laughs> oh boy. That, that's a, that's a, that's a topic for man. I, I, I don't envy us when we have to talk about new 52 or, or I don't envy the audience. That area era there between crisis on infinite earths and the new 52 should be the golden age. Yeah. No shit. <laughs> and maybe that's just, you know, my, you know, the lens that I viewed all these things through was that lens. Because that was my comic book reading, you know, era. Yeah, I recently started going back. Like there, there was a big Black Friday discount at uh, one of the local comic shops, Big Brother Comics, uh, in uh, Midtown Sacramento. Go give them your money, and um, uh, they they had a bunch of a uh, bunch of trades in this uh, this series that that they were just labeling, you know, Man of Steel. But it started with the beginning of the of the you know nineteen eighty six Superman continuity. So I got like the first six trades or so that's just got like i don't know a few years of content and it's great because it it reads all in one continuous story like even if creative teams drop out like it is still a continuing story yeah you mentioned uh liking some of the the continuity free stories or like the else world stories dc calls them what what uh what's some of your go-to's i think the my favorite one was one of the first one of those that i read was uh red sun yeah. The one where Superman, instead of dropping into Kansas, uh, drops into Siberia, I believe it was, in Soviet Russia. Yeah. And he is kind of picked up by the Soviet government and trained as a Soviet agent. And he ends up going against like a Russian Batman who's fighting against the government. And uh, it's just, it was just a cool take on Superman where he wasn't fighting for truth, justice in the American way. No, definitely not. <laughs> he was He was almost a villain. Um, you know, in, he would be a villain from like America's eyes at that point, but he'd be a hero to the Soviet Union. Yeah. So that, that story was made by Mark Miller and Dave Johnson drew the first two issues and then Killian Plunkett drew the third one. And, uh, Mark Miller is unabashedly a huge Superman fan. And it's a, it's a shame that he hasn't gotten a real crack at, at, uh, controlling Superman. Because he's clearly got a lot of love for the character. He he wrote some some of like Superman adventures based on the cartoon series. And those are fun stories. But that wasn't DC continuity and he didn't have yeah. free reign for sure. So it it's really cool how they show Superman being raised in communist Russia. 
and how the heart of the character is still there. You know, he's yeah. he's not a son of a bitch like Stalin's in the comic, but he's not Stalin. He's not out there, you know, committing genocide and shit. Like he is still a good man, just raised with different values. Yeah, with a different value set, you know, the yeah. the kind of the communist Russia, you know, state above the individual kind of mentality. Yeah. And but he is at his core still Superman. They're making an animated version yeah. of Yeah. Did you see the trailer? Month. Yeah. Oh, it's next month. Holy shit. Yeah, I think February twenty fifth I saw. Oh so that's be cool. I had just heard first quarter. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm looking forward to that. That trailer was good. Is it gonna drop just on DC's streaming service? No, they'll put it out on DVD. Okay, good. But I hey, as I shit. as I found out, like I kept on getting this recurring Roku bill thing, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Like I know I have Hulu, but am I getting double charged for something? Uh, I looked into it. Turns out I still have DC Universe. I thought I had canceled it several oh. months ago. Oh fuck! You yeah. just haven't been watching it, huh? Yeah. So I, I went back and I finished off Doom Patrol. Really good show. Did you watch that Harley Quinn? No, but I've heard it's good. Series, yeah. I, I saw the trailer for it and I was like, I, that looks interesting. I'd like to check it out, but I don't have the thing, so I yeah. can't. You should come over and we should do some DC in. Yeah, and they, they've also got the Batman Hush animated movie on there that I haven't seen. Oh, cool. DC's animation wing does a pretty fucking good job. Yeah. They consistently do the comics justice, unlike uh, the film wing. Yeah. <laughs> the All-Star Superman animated movie, like, of course it had to skip some stuff. Like, you don't go to Bizarro World. Oh, just do it. That was one of my favorite parts of that book. That was pretty good. Um, but the uh, the core of the story is there, and the art style is really good to it. It sort of mimics a, uh, a Frank Quietly thing. Because one thing that's been bumming me out with the DC animated stuff for a little bit is, uh, like, starting with, uh, I think, Flashpoint. They've got this this line of movies that sort of follows in the same it's definitely the same universe and it's got like a really anime look to it. And I just don't care for it. I don't like the, uh, I don't like the look. I don't like the redesigns on the costumes they've done. Mm. Like when, when they first started up, they were like, we're going to tell stories from the comic books that, you know, and we're going to mimic the art style. Like public enemies was totally like Ed McGinnis's art come to life. And then same thing with like the uh, apocalypse one where they did Michael Turner's uh, like Supergirl story. And I want to see more of that or DC new frontier. That is so good. And it's, it's straight up Darwin cook artwork come to life. So that's something that, uh, that I'm stoked about with uh red sun is that it, it doesn't follow in that anime look. Yeah. It looked good in the trailer. We'll get to see wonder woman. We'll get to see a, uh, a Hal Jordan green lantern yeah. fighting for America. And that, that, uh, that bizarro that America creates, that was one of my favorite parts. I think that came at the end of the first issue. Yeah. I'm going to spoil this for people because it's it doesn't ruin the uh, the the story at all. But one thing I loved about the uh, the Mark Miller one is that, you know, it starts off with his parents in Krypton sending him to Earth. And then but then at the end of the story, what they do is they sort of like flash forward through time. And, you know, they, they like show little little eras going throughout the future and they show the evolution of Earth and the lineage of of Superman and the Luthors and stuff. And what what this thing posits is that Krypton is Earth in the future. And that at the yeah. end at the end of the story, when they send Kal-El away, they're actually sending him back in time. And I thought that, that was really, really fucking cool. Like it doesn't change the character or any of that at all. You know, it it just added a different aspect to it. And I love time travel, so well, and it explains why he looks so much like a human. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that, that humanity just evolved into what Superman is. So I thought that was really fun. And it also has one of my favorite Lex Luthor portrayals where when they first show or yeah. when he first shows up, the, you know, his team has or he discovered a uh, a cure for cancer. And then he has his team like find a way to break it down into like a 20 year course so he can make more money off of it. Yeah, because yeah, cures don't make money, which is I mean, it's that's good social commentary, too. Because I don't think that's far off from the truth. No, well, yeah, there's definitely more money in treatments than cures. Yep. So I'm 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 not like a tinfoil hat person about it, but you know I I'm sure they could have figured out diabetes by now. I don't know. You you always hear about these big advancements and then they disappear, but maybe they just don't work. Well, and it, and it's you know it's not like there's I don't think they have so much of a nefarious you know hoo ha ha we, we want to make more money on this. It's just you're going to invest money in the things that are going to make money. Yeah. Not that they don't want to do it or that they have it and they're not releasing it. It's more that, you know, hey, you put your R&D budget into the things that you think are going to get you a good return. Yeah. You know, and if you could uh, make it like a a vaccine that would cure cancer that you could send everywhere in the world, you probably would never make your money back on it. Yeah. Gross. So, John, you mentioned that Superman's kind of always been there in your life. What is your earliest memory of the man from Krypton? To be honest... Like, I, I had a really hard time with this because I don't know. Even though we, we talk about this all the time with a bunch of different topics, how this has always just been present in our life. Like, that is 100% the truth. I, I do not remember a time in my life where Superman was not there. I was searching for some of my earliest memories, and I've, I've, got, I've got two that I'll just touch on real quick. They sound real exciting. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's it's nothing that we're going to have to go into any big discussion about. So that's why I feel OK doing two. Um, but one of them is I remember being I, I must have been three or four years old based on where we lived at the time. And I remember getting these this pair of Superman swim trunks where it had some some classic Jose uh, Lopez artwork, you know, the DC promo art, like with him, like flying across. And I just I remember the feeling of how stoked I was. I was just like, holy shit, it's fucking Superman flying across these trunks. <laughs> and I remember putting them on and going to my buddy Greg's house and uh, and getting in their hot tub. It's a really bizarre early memory, but there it is. And then um, it's the first comic book that I remember getting. You know, I had comic books before this, but I remember my grandma when I was a kid got me um this comic it was i i looked it up it was superman number 48 and it was this cover by uh by carrie gamble who's a great artist his superman is fantastic and it's it's a very i i mean i i would call it iconic except i don't think it, it was ever like used for promo art but it's like superman standing you know like legs akimbo and his, and his arms you know like like out like like he's mr strongman but he is deflecting bullets off of his chest and behind him are um are some scared citizens you know and they're like crouched behind him like by a car and stuff and he's he's standing there just protecting them and it, and it was it's yeah. such a well done piece of art and it was also a very good representation of what superman does and who he is and that that one has always stuck out to me as like my earliest comic book memory like, like i said i know i had comic books before that but that was the first one like i remember getting and looking at it and holding it in my hands and just being like, yeah, that's fucking Superman. Well, on that note, one nice thing about Superman is that he, he, his stories are generally kid safe. Yeah. 
Like he's not dropping F-bombs. People usually aren't getting killed. He's generally trying to stop people from getting killed. And he's usually successful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, except for in the death of Superman. Boy, a lot of people died in that <laughs> yeah. one. But you don't see any of it. It's, yeah. it's not really graphic ever. So it's, 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 a, it's a book that you can always safely give to a young child. Well, not, not, to, just, not to just call you right out on it, but man, there, there are a couple shots where there are some fucking headless dudes. Yeah, but it's always from the other side. Like, you don't see down their neck hole or anything. You just see, yeah. like, a guy lying on the ground, and there's, like, a little pool of blood. Yeah. So it's not it's not terrible. <laughs> you know, it's not in your face. But, but I mean, especially these days, though, there are a lot of comics with some really adult content in them. Oh, yeah. And uh, like it's, it's definitely not like the early 80s where you could pretty much go buy any comic you want and hand it to a kid, and they'd be, you know, not have to worry about it. Yeah. Like, you, you kind of got to look through that stuff occasionally. There are severed heads in mainstream comics now. It's kind of unnerving. Severed heads, like shot up bodies, sex, and yeah, disembowelment, and all kinds of shit, man. Yeah, which is cool. I love that shit. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm stoked about it. But it's the kind of thing that you know, if your five year old's looking through a box of comics that you got, you might want to select those carefully. Yeah, but Superman's always a safe bet. I've got I've got bags of comics that I keep forgetting to uh, to bring over here. They're sitting in my, sitting in my garage, but I want you to look at them before we pass them off to your kids, even though. I mean, well, there may be a few things in there that are that are for adults, so it my, is probably wise. But. My kids are pretty well hardened. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, that last box you gave them, they've been tearing through that. Oh, yeah? Cool. Yeah. Um, now, what about you, Ben? What's your uh, what's your early impression? Some may even say your first. Yeah, so I was thinking about this, and, like, I, I always knew about Superman. Like, he'd been around. Like, I, you know, at a young age, I would have been able to be like, I, that is Superman. I know who he is. But I didn't really, uh, I was more of a Marvel kid when it came to reading comics. So I didn't read a lot of Superman books when I was younger. So I think my first real good introduction to Superman as a character rather than an icon was the Superman the Animated Series. Oh, cool. They ran around the same time as as Batman and then they had Justice League. Yeah. And uh, where you got to see an albeit underpowered Superman. Yeah, definitely depowered him for that. Yeah, it it made storytelling a lot easier. But they did a really good job with his character. Like, he was the moral compass of the Justice League. And the, uh, what's his, um, Tim Daly, I think, did his voice. Oh, yeah. Like, that's the voice of Superman in my head. Thank you so much. (laughs) Like, so many people call out George Newbern, who was Superman in the, uh, the Justice League series, as the best Superman, but... George Newbern to me, like he 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 had good moments, but he also had some really bad moments where he just sat, he made Superman sound like a dummy, like a Cro-Magnon man. I don't know, maybe people won't agree, but Tim Daly for sure is Superman. He's like it's like Kevin Conroy's my Batman voice, absolutely. Period. And Mark Hamill's my Joker voice. Yeah, like mostly that's because that's what I was consuming originally, you know. So like it it was the first main voice in my head, but uh, they're freaking spot on. Like that's that is it to me. And so that is when I really solidified my early ideas of who Superman is, is from those, uh, from the animated series. And I, and I think they did the character justice in those, even if he was, uh, a little weak and they never really, the challenges were a little off, a little different. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like some, some guy could have a high powered enough machine gun to actually affect him. Yeah. Yeah. Which I remember as a kid, 
really pissed me off. I did not like that at all. Like, what the fuck is going? Why is he having trouble catching that airplane in the in the first episode or the you know the the third episode? I guess the first arc and uh, and machine guns hurting him. Like, what what is going on? I understand it these days, and and I I love that series so much. Yeah, and they like they didn't get into much of the more moral heavy grappling with issues kind of stuff. It was more a straight beat up. Yeah. Generally. Yeah. And, and like you said, it led into the justice league series where they were able to power him up, even though most episodes they'd find a way to take him out of the action. So, so it wouldn't just be Superman doing everything that everybody can do, but it yeah. also, you know, starting with the Superman animated series and then going into the justice league series, like there are a few standout episodes, usually when he's taking on dark side, where, you know, there's this whole speech. I think it may have been in, in one of the last episodes, you know, where where Superman's taking on Darkseid and he's just like a Justice League Unlimited, I think. Was that it? I, think, oh, I shit. think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I, he's I, talking it, about how he always has to hold back. Yeah. For fear that, you know, he walks through the world like handling everything like it's cardboard. Yeah. And, you know, but you seem like you can take it, buddy, or something. So. Yeah. And he's like, what this is, is a rare chance for me to really cut loose or something. Yeah, like, oh, he just man. starts whooping Darkseid's ass. It's oh, awesome. I love that. And I love I love being able to see Superman unleash in uh, in those cartoons. Yeah, And that's that's one thing that has kind of disappointed me about a lot of the recent movies is that uh, other than the, the fight with Zod in Man of Steel, it, you, you don't always get to see him cut loose. Like I've wanted to see a Superman movie with freaking dark side in it where he can really just go for it. Yeah. Or him on War World or something where he can just beat the shit out of everything around him without really being that concerned about collateral damage. Yeah, or like even if they if they would finally do a fucking sequel to Man of Steel or 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 even a new Superman movie where they bring in somebody like Brainiac who can yeah. send enough powerful things to challenge him without him, you know, having to like I know a lot of people bitch about the the uh, the hordes of villains that are just nameless and faceless and they're just fodder. But you know if you got a bunch of Brainiac robots that Superman has to fight against, or you know they could present him a challenge. Yeah, and and if they're attacking Metropolis, the challenge is how does he deal with them without killing a bunch of people? Yeah, you know, like half his energy is put into protecting the populace of the city, not just fighting the robots because fighting the robots maybe that's not super hard but fighting the robots in a way that doesn't result in you know half a million casualties is incredibly difficult well yeah and, and when somebody is that powerful like if it's okay superman has to fight a robot like okay well i get it i get that that's not entertaining because you know superman's just going to fight the robot and win but if superman has to fight 300 robots you know that are that are in a 50 square mile radius like he can't be everywhere at once he has to in the moment make those decisions that that uh cost lives yeah and, and you can give them some moral weight too like i mean you could have a robot you know a couple of them attacking the daily planet and putting his friends in danger and then another one like attacking you know a high school graduation or something or, or a big event where there's thousands of people yeah and he has to choose between more lives or the lives that are important to him, you know, and put some weight on it, you know? Yeah. And if you really wanted to crush him, you'd kill off his loved ones. Then you'd see some, you'd see some real humanity in him. 
Like that, that's, that's one thing that I, that I, uh, I, I haven't gotten too far in the series, but, um, the comic book series based on the video game Injustice, it's based around Superman becoming a totalitarian and, you know, certain heroes side with him, certain ones don't. And, you know, for, for the video game, you know, they have this whole device where you can power yourself up. So green arrow can actually be in a fight with Superman, but what I loved about that story is whoever wrote it initially, I don't know, Tom Taylor wrote the, wrote the series, but whoever came up with the story for the video game, what they, what they did was they had Joker trick Superman into thinking he was fighting Doomsday and Superman flies Doomsday up, to, up into space, you know, to, to kill him or whatever. And then all of a sudden this illusion goes out of Superman's mind and it's fucking pregnant Lois Lane. Ooh, damn. He kills pregnant Lois Lane because of a mental illusion. And so he goes down, you know, oh, oh, and at the same time, uh, Joker also detonates an atomic bomb in, in Metropolis. So damn Joker. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's one way to, to humanize Superman. So Superman goes and just punches a hole right through him. Yeah. And, oh yeah. Yeah. This is not going to end well for you, Joker. Yeah. That's how it all starts. And like, that that to me like holy shit that is that is dark but you know that that is how you can show some humanity with superman is is you know he cares for people that's that's the thing like and it's gonna break his heart if he can't save someone wait and that's that is one thing that i always liked in his origin story is the way pa kent dies generally oh yeah like in in the in the movie especially the the christopher reeve superman movie that one illustrates it really well yeah yeah where it's like he you know he dies of a heart attack and Superman can't do anything about it. There's some things that he just can't change. And uh, that was one of the things in Man of Steel that kind of bugged me, is that uh, the way his father died was really dumb. Yeah. Like, that shit pissed me off. It's like, you could totally have done something about that. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, man, I, I would love to get just some audio of our buddy Zach ranting about that, because he gets he gets so fired up when he rants about this. It's like, no, Superman would not do that. I don't give a shit if he's not Superman yet, and that's what makes him, you know, that's part of his development. No, he would not do that. Yeah. Nobody in their right mind would trust their father enough to let him die. It's like, don't let these people know. I'm, I'm going to save the dog in the tornado. Like, are you fucking joking me? It's just, yeah, it made me mad in the theater when that happened. I was just like, what? No. Yeah. No. This is this is not right. This is not Superman would not do that. That's absolutely true. A kid Clark Kent would not do that. This is not a thing that would happen ever. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that that upset me. But then the end of the movie was really cool. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've I've always loved that line. I think we talked about it when we did our um our Superman, the movie episode. But the the power that that line had, you know, like uh, I I can't do it with the same delivery as as Chris Reeves voiceover for the uh for the other actor that was playing him. But you know, all those things I can do, all those powers and I couldn't even save him. It's like like that that one had an impact on me as a child. You're just like, man, like the the weight that he feels because of that. And you've and in in the movie you've already seen him just taking great joy in these powers that he has. Like he, he's, it's not like man of steel where he feels the weight of the world because he's angsty and cause he doesn't know his place. Superman doesn't need to be angsty. No, I, I, I just didn't think that needed to be a thing. He didn't need to be broody and dark. He's Superman. Yeah. People say it makes him more relatable and makes him more human. It's like, 
I don't think changing changing Superman for the younger audience is what you need to do. Like you need to keep Superman as pure as you can. So the younger audience can hopefully see that and appreciate that because it's different than what everybody else does or hate it for the same for the same reason. But don't don't change my Superman. Fuck. Well, he's supposed to be an ideal. He's supposed to be an icon. He's not supposed to be human. Like he's supposed to, he's trying to be human and he's trying to foster humanity. And and the thing about Superman is that he's trying to project the ideal of humanity to humanity. Yeah. It'd be like if they had a, you know, a broody Jesus. <laughs> like, you know, upset. I don't know, you know? God. <laughs> Should I be not committing any sins? Is that really what's best for humanity? Yeah. Like it just doesn't work for the character. <laughs> And I, you know, and I've heard some people gripe about how at the end of the movie he kills Zog. It's like Superman doesn't kill, but I, you know, I think I, I, I can see that as a jumping off point for him to make that rule official. Yeah. You know, where he, where he, he's, he was there, he, you know, Zod was about to kill that family and he, you know, made a snap decision to do it. And then afterwards he's like, fuck, what did I do? Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't ever do that again. And I'm, and I'm comfortable with that. I heard recently probably the best rebuttal for the whole Pa Kent thing. Um, I can't remember where it was. It was on some YouTube video. But thinking in the moment when he's holding Zod's head and Zod's laser beams are slowly, inexplicably moving towards those people, that he in that moment he thinks to when you know when he when he when he let his dad die, it was because people weren't ready to see it. You know that that he, that the world wasn't yeah. ready for it. And that that in that moment when he's holding Zod's face or holding him by the neck, that he thinks back to that time and he's like, that time I did not go into action and do the right thing. So I'm going to right now. You're like, these people are going to die if I if I do not act. Yeah, if I'm not strong enough to do this thing, I don't want to do. Yeah, I can see that. But that could also justify Superman turning into the Punisher. Yeah, no shit. Slippery slope. Ooh, the super punisher would be pretty cool though. oh man and you know i'm sure we could we could find an elseworld story yeah. very easily or i mean even injustice yeah i was gonna, yeah, I was gonna say it kind of sounds like that's where it goes and just in, in injustice i haven't i haven't read that either but it sounds interesting yeah i've only read it. i've only read the first six issue arc like the because they do it by years you know i think it went up to like year four or five and each one was 12 issues long it makes sense and um, I read like the first half of the first year and I really enjoyed it. I've wanted to go back and read it. I don't know how it sold, but everybody who read it liked it. You know, like it, it's it's held in high regard. Huh. Yeah. I like the character design. I think they look cool. Yeah. Yeah. New suits. Like it looks dark and grim. Yeah. But it sounds like the story is uh, appropriately dark and grim. Yeah. So what do you say, Ben? You want to go on a break? Yeah, sure. And uh, we got we got a promo from uh, one of our friends here. We were talking a bit about the death of Superman. And uh, th- this is a podcast that talks kind of about the death of uh, everybody else. It's uh, called Coffin Cast. Great segue. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. We are divided now more than ever. We separate ourselves based on politics, race, age, favorite sports teams, religion, and even what fandoms we subscribe to. But there is one thing that we all have in common. Death. You're gonna die. I'm gonna die. We're all gonna die. 
CoffinCast seeks to shine a light on the thing that unites us all with a mix of true crime, strange death stories, and a little education mixed in. So when you find yourself at odds with someone, just remember, they are going to die too. Hey, welcome back, Ben. Glad to be here. Yeah, good. (laughs) Because the day you're not is probably the day we should pack this up. (laughs) So one thing we were talking about before we went on our break was Superman movies and Superman in the media. I just wanted to shout out that there there's a lot of good Superman media out there that we're we just we don't have the time to cover. We, We can't cover everything. And a good bit of mediocre Superman stuff out there, too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess just a, just a couple of little shout-outs. You know, like some of my favorites, the Fleischer animated cartoons. Those were back in the early 40s. They were super, super well-produced, and uh, they're fantastic. So go check those out. Um, there was the, the George Reeves TV series that I personally never super got into. I, I keep using the word super, which is something I do normally. But it seems weird and, and <laughs> it seems punny. tacky now. Yeah. The George Reeves on his build is so interesting. He's so 50s buff. Yeah. He's like Jack LaLanne buff. Yeah. Like barrel chested yeah. Charles Atlas. Yeah. Totally different physique than, you know, a strong man today has. Yeah. And he was even drawn like that. Like I, I don't like some of the Silver Age Superman comic books because of how he's drawn. Like he's so barrel chested and I don't know. It looks it looks weird to me. Well, that, that was the ideal man then. Yeah. You know, you have a big barrel chest and reasonably sized legs and pants up above your belly button. <laughs> After the uh, the Christopher Reeve series, there was the Superboy TV series, which I, I enjoyed. Going back, they're pretty terrible, but I really like the suit <laughs> in that. Uh, there was the Ruby Spears animated series in the 80s, which uh, was one of my favorites growing up. What is that? Is that like the Super Friends era? Um, no, no was, that was in the seventies, right? Yeah. It was post super friends. It took its design aesthetic from, you know, like the mid eighties Superman revamp. I know Gil Kane, a, a artist, uh, legend in comic books would did the designs for that, uh, that series. And it ran for, it may have just been one single season. And I remember as a kid, like it came on CBS on Saturday mornings and I would, I would catch it, but then it ended and it was never rerun. And for years I was like, I know this thing exists. <laughs> Am I insane? I knew it existed because I had a uh, a copy of Pee Wee's Big Adventure taped off of TV, and it had a commercial that had Superman in it. I was like, ah, I'm like, why can't I find this? Once the internet came around, some uh, some information came out on it, and uh, a few years back, they they finally put it out on DVD, and it's pretty great, uh, in my opinion. Um, then there was also Smallville. Smallville was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I like I it was it was a little bit too like, you know, teen oriented maybe. Yeah. I mean it was WB through and through. Uh especially early WB. But all in all, I I think it was pretty good. Yeah. I I had a hard time with it cuz I wanted to see Superman. And their whole no tights no flights rule just really pissed me off and Tom Welling to me didn't he yeah. didn't look like Superman. Their Lex Luthor was pretty good. It was weird that he knew Lex Luthor from like childhood. That was kind of a I guess they had to give him some sort of villain. Well, that that actually goes back to uh, the comic books in the Silver Age, where they they tied their origins in together. So Lex Luthor was a uh, was a scientist in Smallville, of all places, and they were friends. And then he uh, he had this experiment go wrong, and his lab caught on fire, and Superboy flew in and used his super breath to put out the fire. 
and it also blew off Lex Luthor's hair. The super breath did? Yep. That's awesome. I mean, it was probably the chemicals in the air mixed with the super breath. <laughs> Is that why he hates him? Because he made that, him bald? That's why he hates him. <laughs> From that day on, he he vowed to destroy Superboy slash man. That's that's almost as good as the uh, the Red Sun one, where he really hates Superman because he's the only guy that could beat him at chess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was good. And then there was Superman Returns in 2006 with uh, Brandon Routh, which... I'm a bigger fan of that than most people, I think. I thought it was, I have mixed feelings about that. It was a good Superman movie. I think Brandon Routh played a great Superman. He wasn't given a whole lot to do. That was, that no. was my beef. Yeah, there was just no, there was no crescendo. It was, uh, you know, another Lex Luthor real estate scam. Yeah. I went into it really hoping for a good fight and there was nothing like that in it. No. And it was the, the direct uh fan reaction to that that created man of steel with all the action above story and emotion and they still didn't do an original story though there they still went back to zod yeah well and i i've always said that that somewhere between superman returns and man of steel is the perfect superman movie because superman returns had all of the charm and heart of superman yeah and then Man of Steel had all of the power, but none of the charm. Yeah, Superman Returns was definitely a love letter to the Donner films. For sure. Yeah, they've, they've even, I mean, the, yeah, the, it, it was referred to as like a vague sequel. But I think it's pretty generally accepted that that Brandon Routh's Superman was Christopher Reeve's Superman. So now when they're doing that whole CW crossover and Brandon Routh is playing Kingdom Come Superman. Yeah. Everyone can just imagine like, oh, that's Christopher Reeve. Like, what if he was around playing Kingdom Come Superman? Oh, that would have been rad. Holy shit, dude. There's some photo manipulations out there that look so good, and it's it's so heartbreaking. It actually took me down a rabbit hole on YouTube of just like Christopher Reeve interviews and stuff over the years. He seems like he was such a genuinely good dude, and like he was, he was funny and smart, and just it seemed like he had a big heart. Like it, it was like he was perfect to play Superman. And then we have the uh, the Supergirl TV series. Which I haven't watched much of. I've watched a little bit of it here and there, with all those and like the Arrowverse shows. Like I, there's just so many of them, and uh, I like I started watching them here and there, and just some of them were good, and some of them were less good, and uh, I just haven't had the time to really watch them all. Yeah, it's it it doesn't hold me like like a like a TV series needs to, and and you know they still do like the 23 episode seasons. It's like that's that's too much, especially when they have like one story arc going through the whole thing. It's like and across multiple properties. Yeah. You know, like the Arrowverse thing, you know, Arrow and Flash and all this stuff. And then they do crossovers with Supergirl, even though they're in different dimensions. And like, I'm going to, I haven't started it yet, but I, I got all the Crisis on Infinite Earths things recorded and I'm going to go through and I'm going to watch them all. But, you know, other than single arcs like that, I, I just don't have the time to watch, you know, 120 Arrowverse episodes oh, yeah. a year. I just don't. That That's exactly where I'm at. Like, uh, the crisis is only halfway through right now, just the first three episodes. And then it, the, the last three start up next week, I think. Yeah. And I'm going to wait till it's all done and then watch it. Yeah. So. I, I kind of wish I'd done that, but I, I wanted to avoid spoilers. So I watched the first three and, and I was really stoked to see Brandon Routh as Superman again. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I read the comic back in the day, so I've, I've kind of got some idea where it's going. So yeah. unless they change something really dramatically... I don't think they're going to spoil much. No, no, not at all. So. And then there is an upcoming Superman and Lois TV series spinning out of the uh, the Arrowverse with Tyler Hecklin's Superman and his Lois Lane, who is 
god awful from what I've seen. I haven't seen much, but I don't like her. But they've got a kid now, and um, is it like a sitcom? <laughs> yeah, multicam <laughs> live audience sitcom. <laughs> Comes like flying in the door and hangs his cape up. Hi, yeah. honey, I'm home. Oh no, Clark! I'm not going to have the pot roast ready for the for the dinner party. <laughs> I'll take care of that. <laughs> Oh, Superman. But yeah, one thing I did want to talk about that I skipped over in my timeline was the unfinished, unstarted, I don't know, the scrapped Tim Burton Superman movie project from the uh, like mid-late 90s. Yeah, that's the one with Nick Cage as Superman? Yeah, oh, Nicholas boy. fucking Cage was gonna play Superman. Um, it went through a ton of different scripts, one written by Kevin Smith, which I read and it was pretty good. I want to say it even had an F-bomb in that script that I, I'm sure wouldn't have gotten shot, but... Was it Superman that said it? No, I feel like it was Lois for some reason. Yeah, I Lois seems like the kind of gal that might drop an F-bomb yeah. here and there. Yeah, I, I believe it. I don't think that's out of character at all. <laughs> but um, in in that movie, just because I've been fascinated by it, John Peters, the executive producer... I'd say he was most instrumental for going all those years with uh, not having a Superman movie, even though they were trying. Um, he did not want Superman to fly because he thought the effects looked cheesy. Um, he didn't want the uh, the Superman suit because he said it looked too gay. And uh, fuck this guy. Yeah. Yeah. They, they actually they were going to have Superman in a like have like a flying vehicle of some kind. I doubt it would be it would be that once it started getting shot, but this was all like pre-production. Like there is artwork, and uh, it was oh because it was called Superman Lives, so he was going to get killed by Doomsday, and then he was going to be uh, resurrected by the Eradicator, and he was going to have like what looked like a like a Frankenstein like robot suit that would uh you know that was like a regeneration suit, but it wasn't going to be the Superman costume. You know, once he came back from the dead, there's some there's some oh, concept geez. art out there that is terrifying. <laughs> it looks horrific and uh brainiac was going to be a villain in that but i mean that that's kind of cool but i don't know what they would do to brainiac if this is what they're doing to superman yeah brainiac was going to be in his big ship like uh, there is a ton of concept art that has surfaced surfaced since then and brainiac was going to be responsible for uh for doomsday so that whole project to me is fascinating like i wish it would have gotten done really yeah ju- just because i i want I would want to see what it was. Yeah, it wouldn't have been good. I don't think. Yeah, I think you would. I think it would have made you mad. Probably, but I wish it existed. I wish I would have had the opportunity to get mad. Um, it it got scrapped like as they were getting ready to shoot. Like sets were being built and shit, and then and then Warner Brothers pulled the plug. I'm glad they did. Oh fuck you! This sounds like total schlock, man. Yeah, but why not? Why? <laughs> That's that's the attitude that's been ruining cinema for the last thirty years, John. Nah, because you, you <laughs> that's what, the attitude that got us the Ninja Turtles movies and the Transformers movies. But that doesn't take away from the good stuff. Uh, well, it kind of does because there's a lot of people that that's all they've ever seen. And if you if all you've ever seen was some sh- shitty Ninja Turtle movie, you you know you're you're not gonna go back and check out the cartoon. True, I guess the kids that that watch those new Ninja Turtles movies aren't gonna have the love for the turtles that we had. What if what if this was someone's? They made it, and that was someone's first Superman experience. <laughs> then for once, it would be justified to not be a Superman fan. Yeah, I guess. I mean, my God, man. Or you or you'd have you'd have people who are huge fans of that movie, and be like, who's this fucking tight wearing pansy 
flying Superman. (laughs) (laughs) That's not my Superman. Well, I would encourage people, if this sounds interesting to you at all, uh, to go check out this documentary. It's called uh, The Death of Superman Lives, colon, I think, What Happened? Um, It was by John Schnepp who uh, has passed away, but he was a, uh, he was a, I mean, he made this document documentary film. I knew him from, uh, from the Collider Heroes YouTube um, show that where they just talk about, about movies and, and comic books and stuff. Huge fan, huge presence in the geek community that passed away. I want to say maybe two years ago now, somewhere around there, but this was a passion project of his and he gets interviews with Tim Burton. He's got Kevin Smith on there. They've got they've got uh like test footage for for costume fittings and shit, oh, with, shit with Nick Cage. Like it is wild. It is so good. And um I mean with with Warner Brothers going and making like animated movies, you know, with with Adam West and Burt Ward. You know, like I would really hope that they would go and make this into an animated movie and get Nick Cage's voice or or something, you know, just use their designs and make it. Yeah, maybe without the flying vehicle and the non-Superman suit. You know, and and I'm sure that once film started rolling on that, he wouldn't be in a flying car. I I think that that's something that that just it had to have grown from his request into something like, "Can you believe they were going to do this?" But I doubt anybody would have let that happen. Yeah, like a a movie where Superman doesn't fly is going to be worse than a movie where Superman doesn't have a good fight. <laughs> yeah. Like, like the coolest thing about Superman Returns was seeing Superman fly around and like catch airplanes and shit. Yeah. Yeah. That that airplane catch scene is one of the best Superman scenes yeah. in cinematic history. And it's like a minute and a half. Yeah. Imagine instead of that, if he'd flown in on his super jet yeah. and like grabbed it from the top. Used a tractor beam or, or like his supermobile from the comic books where it's got like fists that extend out <laughs> on, on like Dr. Octopus arms. Jeez. But. That movie, um, going back into comic books, you know, came from the big deal that was the death of Superman that we touched on earlier. And this week, in order to prepare for uh, for this episode, I loaned you a bunch of Superman graphic novels. And you said you read Death of Superman? Yeah, I did. I reread it. I'd read that maybe not when it came out, but when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I think it came out. That was what, like 90? 90... 92. Two? Yeah. I didn't read it at like in issues as it came out, but I did in my early teens read it as a combined thing. I remember that poster you had on your wall of his like funeral. Oh yeah, yeah, with all the superheroes yeah. and they're carrying the casket. Oh, yeah. I love that, that cool poster. poster. But uh, yeah, I went back and read it, and uh, I, I got to say, like of the comics you gave me, like you're like here's some good Superman stories to brush up. They're almost all either like origin stories or end stories. Yeah. <laughs> And of the ones that I read, uh, I, The Death of Superman was probably my least favorite. Oh, really? As far as ending stories, I read the um, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow mm-hmm. and All-Star Superman as well, which both deal with the end of Superman. And I thought they both did it so much better. Like, like he is Superman and he's going through and he's fighting this thing and it's kicking his ass and he's like, you know, fighting to the end to save the world, essentially. Yeah. And so, you know, they got that right. But otherwise, it's just like Doomsday, wake up, Doomsday, crush, Superman, dead. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> just, there wasn't a lot there. As a as a child, like, that story and that character, Doomsday, pissed me off. 
because I mean, even as a, as a stupid little 10 year old, you know, I was like, if you're going to kill Superman, why are you choosing to just have a mindless thing, punch him to death? I can, I can see it now through adult eyes that like the irony of that, you know, that, that like there is something that is more powered than Superman. And it's just mindless hate and vitriol. Yeah. Like he is the opposite of Superman with, with the power to crush him. So I guess, but, but if I was going to write a death of Superman story, I would want it to be Lex Luthor's brains triumphing. Well, and that's kind of what all-star Superman was. Yeah. Like I, that was a great death of Superman story because it had, it, it had his arch nemesis as a good, compelling villain. Mm-hmm. For him to uh, to go up against, and and I really liked whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow as well because it was cool. It was like they they got the opportunity right before Crisis on Infinite Earths, where they were scrapping the entire Silver Age continuity to to let the folks that made Superman during that age close it out in a graceful way. Yeah, yeah, that was the last Superman story before Crisis. Yeah, and I thought I like with that context in mind, it was very tasteful and well done yeah and you know with a with a nice little subtle nod and a wink at the end yep yeah the old old silver age winky superman he loved winking but one thing i did like well kind of counter to what you as a child didn't like i did kind of like how doomsday was just mysterious like he was just somewhere he just uh, he escapes and just goes like there's no big backstory there's no prologue He's just somehow he's there and he escapes and just starts tearing shit up. Yeah. And no one knows where he came from, what he did. And, you know, I know they did end up explaining it later on, but I think it would have been fun to just leave it at what the fuck was that thing? Where did it come from? We don't know. It fucking killed Superman. Yeah. Now, what about Superman's other villains? Like he's not known to have the rogues gallery that Batman has. He still has a pretty good rogues gallery, though. I agree. Like, uh, I mean, some of my favorite, I think, I think my top favorite, uh, villain, I guess is with a question mark is Bizarro. Yeah. Bizarro is not really a villain. I mean, he is, but he's, he's more of a, you know, backwards mess that just does the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he comes and he, you know, he causes lots of trouble, but you know, he's, I think his heart's in the right, his heart's in the wrong place, but it's not his fault. Yeah. <laughs> And I like how Superman generally treats him as such. Like, you know, he goes in, he'll beat him up a little bit, but he's, you know, he, he understands Bizarro's nature and is not, uh, he doesn't hold it against him. Yeah. He knows Bizarro isn't putting people in danger with hate in his heart. No. Yeah. He's just, uh, he's just an anti-Superman and I love, he's just, uh, he's so comical, I guess. Without trying to be comical. <laughs> There's been two two prevailing um, representations of Bizarro. One is the backwards talking, uh, like, whoa, me am no Superman. It's like, eh, okay. And, and, and sometimes they take it to an extreme. Like Jeff Loeb loved to try to write everything backwards, but you can't possibly consistently write everything fully backwards no it so, just makes everything really hard to read yeah and understand and it, and it was it was annoying and you know some sometimes he's goofy but then there's the there's the portrayal where this is my personal favorite where he's like a frankenstein's monster you know where where he is just like he he can function but he doesn't fully understand things and yeah like i i then you know he speaks in broken sentences He'd be like i am help and then he like blows something up yeah yeah you know? <laughs> 
He's yeah, he's just he can't do he can't do right. He yeah. wants to, but he can't. He's like a, a tragic tale. Yeah. And then you've got other characters like uh like Toy Man. It's like, okay, why not? Prankster. You know, they're 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 goofy people that could never actually pose any sort of threat to Superman. So but but they were they were, you know, perfect for the Silver Age when you were telling goofy fun stories. Or, you know, Toy Man can pack some kryptonite into one of his toys. And there you go. Hey. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, you got Metallo. Yep. Metallo's pretty cool. He's got a kryptonite heart. Did you so um, pose a little bit of a threat? Did you read uh, Superman's Secret Origin? I did not. Oh, I, man. Of of the origin ones I gave you, because did I give you Birthright? I can't remember. Uh, I don't remember either. Well, Secret Origin's probably my favorite Superman origin story thing. It, it would have made a great movie, and their Metallo in there was really good. It was he was created by the military in this one, um, or maybe Lex Luthor and the military. But um, yeah, he was he was a military man. You know that there there was like a whole like Lois uh, love triangle thing. He was going after Lois. Lois has eyes for Superman. I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, I I liked his look there. They took a Silver Age look and kind of updated it. He's like a like a robot body man with a kryptonite heart. Um, it also had the parasite in it, who was a, a classic Superman villain that that feeds off energy. Yeah, feeds off the power sources around him. Yeah, yeah. he was done well, I think, in the uh, the cartoon as well. Yeah, I think my other favorite. I guess it seems like my favorite Superman villains are a little silly. Oh, because <laughs> I love Mix of Spitler. Oh yeah, totally. Because <laughs> he's just he's just a you know, a bored, super powerful dude from the fifth dimension that just likes coming in and fucking with Superman. Like, he, yeah, he's not necessarily maliceful either. He just likes to come in and fuck things up because he's a jerk. Yeah, he's playing games. Yeah, he's just he's having fun because he's bored. And I appreciate your uh, your pronunciation of the name, too, because un, unlike uh, Super Friends, you know, turning an entire generation into uh, people who say it wrong, it is not Mixelplick. There are other letters in there. There's a bunch of other letters yeah. in there. <laughs> it's like super simplified. And I loved how in the Superman animated series, they they had him like actually spell it out. The voice of Gilbert Gottfried, of all people. That was so perfect, perfect. for him. Um, it, it, yeah, he's, he's like Mix and he's like showing, uh, he's got like little visual references to go with. So like Mix, Yez, or Mix, Yez, Spit, Lick. And uh, like, all right, good. Now I know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Because I think I, I, when I was a kid, I probably pronounced it like, I think I pronounced it like Mixy, Mixy Piddlick or something like that. Like I, I added a couple syllables. Yeah. And I like, and I, I did enjoy how in uh, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, like he kind of comes in and he's like, you know, I spent my first, you know, millennia being benevolent and then, then being a trickster. And now I'm going to spend the next thousand years being evil. Yeah. So I'm coming here to fuck everything up because I'm bored. <laughs> because <laughs> he's just they live forever and so he's got to, you know he goes through phases yeah and if he wanted to kill superman it would be zero trouble at all he just wants to beat superman yeah yeah he's probably the his most potent villain yeah like he could just pretty much snap his fingers and make superman not exist yeah yeah if he can turn a building into a walking creature like that's the kind of that's the kind of power he has he can turn superman into a goat you know, for no reason. So it's like, okay, why why couldn't he just turn Superman into an atom? Yeah, but he but he doesn't. Yeah, you know, he doesn't want to defeat Superman. He doesn't hate Superman. Yeah, he just wants to fuck with him. Yeah, he likes the challenge because and every time he shows up, there are rules 
I, I like that, you know, the, whether it's he, you know, Superman has to trick him into spelling his or saying his name backwards or something like there's always rules to the game and Superman outsmarts him. And that's why he keeps coming after him. Except for whatever happened in the end of tomorrow where yeah. he just straight kills him. He's yeah. Like, All right. A, th- a thousand years of evil makes a spit lick. Nope. I really liked the portrayal of him and Batmite in the the Batman Brave and the Bold where Batmite is the same thing except yeah. for Batman and he's just like Batman's number one fan. He's like, I want to see Batman fight things so I'm going to throw all kinds of shit at him. Yeah. Because it's cool. And I liked how, how he always broke the fourth wall too in Brave and the Bold. And, th- and that was the voice of uh, Paul Rubens. Pee Wee Herman himself. Oh, was it? Really? Yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. All right. So how about your favorite use in pop culture, Ben? This guy has a couple. I mean, honestly, uh, we kind of already talked about it a bit. My favorite use in pop culture was the animated series. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, I, I was trying to think, like, I was like, that's kind of the first thing I saw Superman in, and it's my f- probably my favorite. And uh, I was trying to think of something else so that we didn't, like, re-talk about something we already talked about, but uh, that is really my favorite, so. It was just an entertaining, uh, good portrayal of Superman that I was able to identify with, and like the Justice League cart, like it led into the Justice League cartoons and all all kinds of stuff. It is classic, and it is it is pure Superman. Like that yeah. that's that's one thing I love. Like, I mean the the Fleischer cartoons you can go back and watch, and they they are fantastic and they're beautiful. You know, it's like Disney level animation. They poured shit tons of money into it back then. Uh, the Fleischers even like they they gave whoever it was, National Publications or DC, if they were that, like they, they, or maybe it was Paramount that was, uh, that had the rights, but they, they told them it was going to cost a million dollars, which nothing had ever cost a million dollars. And they did that because they didn't want to do Superman. So they're like, we're just going to throw out this number that will never get accepted. And sure enough, it did. So they created it. Really? They're just like, I've done that before where you get a job that you got to bid that you like, you really don't want to do. And so you're like, all right, let's just overbid it. Yeah. And they'll say no. And if they say yes, then it's worth it, I guess, yeah. since they're paying that much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, you know, the the seventies stuff was kind of dumpy, but that animated series from the from the early nineties was it was the perfect blend of both. You know, it, it was pure Superman. The animation was was well was done. Really good, yeah. Yeah. And it uh the portrayal was was classic. It was great. Yeah, it was a sol- yeah, solid Superman. And it wasn't it wasn't too campy or goofy. Like they treated the characters with with uh, with respect, but it was still a, you know it was still a kids show. So like yeah. they didn't get into like really any heavy topics, but it was just good fun Superman. Yeah, and they they did have an arc. In fact, it may have been the the last arc when they were going to uh, going to war with Apocalypse, where they had um shit. Was it no? It wasn't Inspector Henderson. That was the the lady. Um shit. Well, oh Dan Turpin. Um, a detective there that his look was based on Jack Kirby, like the actual Jack Kirby. Yeah. Yeah. Because Jack Kirby was the creator of like dark side and all those fourth world characters. And they had him die at the hands of dark side's forces. And it was really heavy. Like you got to see how it weighed on Superman. And and it was, uh, that, that was one of the, one of the rare moments where they, where they took a little bit less of a super kitty stance on it. You know, they actually killed off a character and it, it, it meant a lot. Yeah, I mean, if you do that every episode, it doesn't mean that much, you know, but after years, it it's very meaningful. Oh, man, I want to go back and watch that series right now. I've got them all on DVD. I'm going to do it. And their Lobo was great, too. Yeah. With Brad Garrett's voice. Could always use more Lobo. Ah, oh, so good. Love Lobo. I think that is perfectly solid. Um, with my favorite use in pop culture, like, 
I was thinking about it because, you know, how do you start with this? Like Superman is pop culture. So I, I so clearly have like a favorite comic, a favorite animated series, a favorite movie. So I wanted to go outside of that. Is it that creepy Superman blowjob pillow? <laughs> oh, that was a pillow? It was a pillow cover. Oh, I thought it was an actual blow-up doll. No, it was like a stuffed cover that you put on your pillow of Superman, which is which is cool. It's got like Ew. a kid holding it on the package, except it's got like a blow-up doll BJ mouth. Oh, for that's... For some glog damn reason. Like, why? Why would you do this? You can Google it. It's weird. It's yeah. got this kid holding it, and it says like, you know, stuff, hug, play. And you're like, what is, what is going on? Oh, man, that's <laughs> gross. Um, well, I've got an honorable mention in this. Uh, the honorable mention that I've got is the Superman superpowers action figure from the mid eighties. Like, oh yeah. I've just got a, a long running love for that thing. Like I, my mom bought a shit ton of them when I was a kid. So, cause they break, you know, they were cheap and I had one for a very long time. And then my little cousin who was being babysat, uh, like when I was gone for an afternoon, like broke it out of the case and broke an arm off, and I was so destroyed because I was going to keep that one in the box. I'm not good at keeping things in the box and not playing with them, but I was like, this is special. And um, yeah, I, I love that figure. I've got like a giant like 12-inch recreation of it. I bought the Supermobile that uh, that came with that. It was such a cool ship design. I've used that design. In fact, I even used it in the Space Oddities Cold Open. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not parked out in front of the funeral home. Yeah, and um, I've I've used it countless times over the years. I, the, if that figure wasn't so glogdam expensive, I'd I'd have a couple of them. You know, but it's just it's hard to come by, and and they're all in such shitty condition. You know, like if if money weren't an issue, like if I just had an extra couple hundred bucks, I'd go buy two of them and break one out of the box so I could play with it. Are they like a hundred bucks? And you won't find one in box for any cheaper than like eighty bucks. Ooh, yeah. ouch. But the, the other one I wanted to talk about, in fact, I mean, holy shit, I, I could almost stop right there. I was like, oh, yeah, I love that figure. That is my favorite. But I wanted to touch on um, on the Superman Returns video game for uh, for Xbox 360. It came out on other systems, <laughs> but that's the one that we played. Uh, let me start off by saying this is not a good game. Yeah, it's probably one of the best Superman games, but no, it is not a great game. Definitely the best Superman game. And that, that Nintendo 64 one blue, that one for a regular Xbox was terrible um the old genesis and nintendo and super nintendo ones like there there hasn't been a great superman game but this was the first one where you could actually be superman you could feel like superman it was open world even though the the world as big as it is like it's it's a big map if you're running but you know once you're superman you're flying at super speed it's not that large no yeah you can get from one side to the other in less than a minute yeah easily but but when you're flying through through the streets instead of way high up in the air you feel awesome yeah and i loved how it had different levels of speed like you could you could float forward or you could hold down a button and you'd like shoot forward and but if you held it for a little while then you would break the sound barrier and and get like a little extra like yeah you know like like burst of speed and you know the all of the the little robot fights and stuff were stupid it was like superman fetch quest the game like go yeah. here beat these robots up go there beat these robots up but going from here to there was freaking cool like yeah just it was it was like a good f superman flight simulator <laughs> yeah and you could use your heat vision and you know you if you flew in certain areas you would you would like hear people's cries for help and that would start a mission 
and you didn't have a life bar. What you had was a uh, public opinion bar. Yeah. So if you ignored people's cries for help, then you would die eventually. Yeah, or cause too much collateral damage. Yeah. You know, if, if people were dying, you were losing, which I think was a cool concept. Yeah, because that, that's what Superman is. Yeah. Yeah, and there there were some cool powers with, like, the heat vision and, like, the freeze breath. Um, it, it was just really repetitive, and it, it just, it wasn't great, but um, but I have a lot of love for it. In fact, I don't know why I don't, oh, oh never mind, can't play it on the, on the Xbox One. Is it not backwards compatible? Not they, as far as I know. They've been opening more and more games up. It'd be cool if they made that one. Yeah. Because it, like, if, if you see it somewhere for, like, 10 bucks, it's probably worth 10 bucks. Definitely. To pick up and fly around like Superman, all cool. Um, you, I mean, you will get bored with it after a couple hours. Yeah. But, you know, 10 bucks for a couple hours of entertainment is uh, not a bad deal. Yeah, and you can you can uh, find some little cheat codes that'll give you some other suit skins. I think the main villain was Metallo, right? Yeah. And th- that was the, the cool boss fight when you fought a giant Metallo. Yeah. Um, but then there's like there's like the, the game opens up with you fighting Mongol on uh, on Warworld. I think it's Mongol. But yeah, you're fighting on Warworld where it you know shows you the mechanics and stuff of, of how to, you know, the combat system. And there's a couple missions where you're like shooting asteroids out of the uh, out of the sky. Someone should take the framework of that game and actually design some interesting missions in it, because I think the engine that that game was built in is pretty good. Yeah. If it had good, compelling missions and like an actual story that you could mod around it, it would actually be pretty freaking rad. Yeah. And and maybe increase the the city size a bit. Well, then again, I guess that would be much more work. Hey, man, people, the modding community puts a lot of work into a lot of things. Yeah. If, If that if that city was like three times the size. It would it would be it would be pretty slick. Yeah, there was some countryside, and you could fly out to Smallville. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and there's been rumors for years now that uh, Rocksteady that did uh, the Arkham games. Yeah, people have been calling for them to take on Superman. There, there was there were some rumors a while back. There was also a canceled uh, Superman game that there was some like uh, cinematic cutscene footage from that got shelved and it was a shame because it it could have been cool i would love to see what somebody could do with today's technology with a superman game and you know what's funny is the the whole argument about writing superman and him being too difficult because he's overpowered i feel like that actually is a a reasonable argument for why it's hard to create a video game for superman yeah because you gotta yeah he's you've got to challenge the player yeah so having all those powers and skills is different than writing a compelling story to read. And in the short term, just having Superman's powers and kicking ass and taking names is pretty fun for a couple hours. Yeah. Yeah, fight dark side. Like bring me dark side. Okay. Yeah, we could we could we could make a good uh, a good few levels out of fighting the minions of dark side and then dark side himself. I would be curious to see Rocksteady's approach to Superman cuz they did a really good job with Batman. Yeah. Like a like the Scarecrow level. Oh, Except yeah, yeah. with Mix of Spitlick. Oh, totally. Something like that in, in, in like a weird altered reality would be freaking cool. Yeah. Buildings coming to life and Big Belly Burger mascot that, that's definitely based on uh, Bob's big boy yeah. coming to life and smashing you with hamburgers. All right. How about, uh, how about a ranking list, Ben? I feel like it's been a long time since I've had one. Yeah, I hadn't noticed. Oh, weird. <laughs> Um, so my, uh, my ranking list today, I I didn't want to just do something like my favorite movies or the order in which I love them. 
So what I looked into was the most absurd powers Superman has had over the years. Most of these come from the Silver Age when things were goofy and he would, you know, have an ant head for an issue or or a lion face for some reason. Did you say an ant head? Yeah. Yeah, look it up. Super ant. Ant head Superman or lion head Superman or super mummy and fucking it's <laughs> it was weird. Yeah. You know, back in the days when <laughs> when Superman had a super dog, Supergirl had a super cat and a super horse and Superman had a had Beppo the super monkey. Yeah, Beppo. Yeah. What, and they, he's, he gets kind of a cameo in uh, All-Star Superman, where Lex Luthor's got the baboon in a Superman suit, breaking him out of prison. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, right up top, we're going to start with, uh, apparently this did happen in the comic books, I didn't realize it, but uh, from Superman 2, Superman's super forgetful kiss, where he can he can kiss Lois and give her super amnesia, so... We don't have to worry about her knowing his secret identity. Boy, that is a rapey superpower. Yeah, isn't it? Like, how many other times <laughs> does he use that? <laughs> as many as he needs to. <laughs> yeah, because initially at the end of Superman 2, it was going to be the end of Superman 1, where he flies around the Earth and goes back in time, thus erasing the fact that she knew he was Superman. But as we spoke about in the Superman the movie episode, they had to rush the first one out and they tacked that ending on. Um, another one he had was super ventriloquism. I was going to take this show on the road. He had super language learning where he could uh, listen to people talk for a few seconds and instantly get the language. Well, that would be handy. Yeah. He had super telepathy. Why not? Yeah. He was Superman. Like you think he's overpowered now. Holy shit. Silver Age, man. He just kind of ended up with whatever power he needed to end the story. Yeah. Just like super hypnosis. <laughs> or super shape-shifting. He could actually vibrate his molecules to shape-shift at one point. What did he turn into? Uh, it was like some weird alien thing when he he was like captive or something. I don't know. I mean, some of these some of these I only know of in passing, you know, because I'm certainly not the, the uh, Silver Age connoisseur that someone like comics writer Mark Wade is, where he's like the repository of all Silver Age knowledge. He could probably give me the issues that each of these popped into. Um, he had super telekinesis and, uh, I think that, that, even though that was like a silver age comic book thing that also shows in uh Superman four, when nuclear man like makes people rise up into the air and Superman like uses his vision to bring them back down to earth. Yeah. I always wondered what the hell was going on there, but I, I, then I realized what that movie was and, yep. uh, figured I, it's not worth thinking about that much. Oh, you know, I didn't even think about it on this list, so I'm going to I'm going to shove it in right now. It's going to be my top 11 even though I didn't say top 10. Super duplicate creation in Superman 2. Oh yeah. They all didn't they did that Ugh. whole thing. Uh, um we also have super imagination. <laughs> what exactly does that power entail? So, what happened was uh in a comic book where where there was like Titano, the uh giant evil monkey, um, I don't know why, but in the end of it, Superman decides to send them back to prehistoric times and Lois is all scared because she's afraid that Titano is going to die. So originally, uh, reportedly Superman was going to use his telescopic vision to peer through time. That's yeah. That's how telescopes work. I yep. mean, I guess technically that is how telescopes work. Oh shit. Like when you look through a telescope and see a star, you're seeing that star, you know, in the past. That is true. I, I don't think it works 
for using a telescope on Earth, but you know. Yeah, to penetrate through time in one spot. Well, can he can he fly faster than the speed of light? I'm sure back then he could. Yeah, so he, maybe he just flew so far away from Earth that he could look back at Earth and see Earth back in time and then <laughs> come back. So, well, apparently the editors thought that even that was too much of a stretch for Superman. So they gave him super imagination where it was like the ability to use his imagination to penetrate through i don't know if it's just creating the, the you know all the variables that, that would go into that but apparently he used his brain to peer through time don't worry lois i imagined that he's safe yeah like well that, that doesn't We're set me at all uh well you know lois back then would believe him. oh superman yeah. let's get married and um he had super eating it was like a hot dog eating contest uh, for for some reason, he had lost his powers. So it must have been just like his sun absorption or, or you know, the ability to continue powering himself. So in order to keep his powers, he had to ingest an ungloggly amount of calories, similar to how, how Flash does, you know, when he, he, he metabolizes everything so fast. So he has to consume a bunch. There was just this picture of Superman just eating. There was like hundreds of cheeseburgers. <laughs> it was great i'd never heard of that before i, I had to throw that in there I, I would be really pissed if i sat down for like a hot dog eating contest after <laughs> years of training and looked over and superman was sitting there like ah oh, shit like come on man cut us cut, cut the rest of us a break yeah it's like like going against him in a weightlifting contest you're like yeah. oh this is not gonna go well he's in the olympics in every event <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, and then the last one, this is also one that I had never heard of, but when I was just making my list, I, I came across this and this is brilliant. He has the ability to shoot mini versions of himself from his fingers, resulting in something that looked like rainbow rays that caught criminals. What? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure how it happened, but in one issue, like I, I saw this picture of him like shooting these rainbow rays out that apparently caught criminals. And then, but what it turns out is that was just the jet stream from little miniature versions of himself that he was shooting out and they were catching criminals. <laughs> how do you even come up with that? I don't know, man. The 60s were weird. Dang. Yeah. Well, I, I again, having read All Star Superman today. Like there's the the part where he goes to the hospital. He's got the you know the miniature Kryptonians in his bloodstream trying to fix him. Oh yeah, and yeah. He sends them out through his hand to to cure the ki kids with cancer. I wonder oh if that was an homage. shit! Probably. Yeah, I I doubt Grand Morrison did that on accident. Oh, that's great. That's brilliant. I need to go back and read that thing again. Yeah, it's good. It is a good Superman story. Yeah, it's my favorite. Okay, that's my list. Oh, those are some pretty ridiculous powers. At least, yeah, he's overpowered now, but at least they all kind of make sense. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. I mean, yeah, as, as much They're, as they can. Yeah. <laughs> um, can you imagine Bizarro having, like, opposite powers of all those? He, the like, ability to sucks miniature versions of himself in. <laughs> I was going to say, shoot giant versions out of his hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I do love his suck breath. <laughs> Uh, I do like when they show Bizarro when he has fire breath and ice vision. Yeah. That's fun. Couldn't you play as Bizarro in that Superman Returns video game? Yeah, totally. And he to and I think he totally had suck breath. And I remember thinking that was the most hilarious thing. Oh, Because you could no like, go shit. down on the street and like suck in and all the people and cars would come flying past That's you. That's right. Oh, and I forgot uh, that that was, a, that was a fun part of that, that game, too, that you could uh, you could just use your super breath to blow traffic down the street. 
Yeah. And that was like a like a whole bizarro mission that, that you had to go and ca- cause as much destruction as possible. Yeah. Yeah, you'd suck all the traffic in to make some giant-ass pile of cars and shit and then slam into it and blow them all up. Yeah. Fuck, I need to go get that game again. So, Ben, do you have a uh, one-word review? Let's wrap things up here. Of course I do. Hooray! I wouldn't come to this unprepared. Hey, fuck you. <laughs> um. So yeah, um, my 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 one word review for Superman is timeless. Yeah, the core of Superman has pretty much remained unchanged because he's like a paragon of strength and moral fortitude. The values he represents don't really change over time. You know, he's it's truth, it's justice, it's humility, mercy, and believing in redemption. Those things are probably, hopefully, always going to be ideals that humanity should strive for they are what superman is is the ideals and so over time like his villains can change to represent whatever the current societal obstacles are or the current things we're facing but superman himself kind of remains you know a moral touchstone for everybody as much as some people don't like that he's, you know, he's overpowered or he's this or he's that, the the core of what Superman is, I think, will always resonate to people. Yeah, I can dig that. Man, can I just take yours? <laughs> because because <laughs> you, you more or less summed up yeah, well. exactly how, how I feel about Superman. And that's why I love the character so much. Um, but... You know, uh, my my one word to to describe Superman, and this is going to be the most boring one I've ever had. I've had a few boring ones, but this is boring as shit. That's three words. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it it is hero because Superman was the quote unquote first superhero. He started this whole thing that has become you know a big you know become heroes for everybody. But more importantly, he is my hero. You know, like, like similar to how Mason felt about Star Wars, you know, that like that's when his life began. Like my my life has never not involved Superman. Like he is my favorite and the most important fictional character that's ever crossed my path. And like you said, like he is the ideal. He is what you would aspire to as a superhero. And, you know, he's the pinnacle. So he just embodies that word for me. Yeah. Yeah. And and I've heard people make the argument that he's not a hero because he most of the time he's not actually in any danger or peril. You know, he's out doing things. And, uh, you know, are you a hero if you're not really putting yourself at risk? Fuck him. Yeah. No, I, I, and I would agree with that because he does. Like there's plenty of Superman stories where he is definitely in risk. If nothing else, he puts his ideals at risk all the time. You know, he'll catch Lex Luthor and instead of just punching his head off, he tests his ideals by thinking, I know there's still good in you, Lex Luthor. You could be a great man still, so I'm not going to kill you because it's not my right to do so. Yeah. And I think that is also heroic. It's not always about physical danger to yourself. Yeah, it's funny. This reminds me of back in, uh, I don't know, decade or so ago maybe a little more than that when we would get hammered and I would talk about, about Superman and why he's the best and how much strength it takes to be what he is, to have reservation and humility and to not just turn the world into what you think it should be. Even, even if it is 
better for people like like to actually have to show restraint Wait, because it takes a huge amount of strength of character to not just act as if a god yeah when you have those powers and just you know dictate this is how things should be he always has respect for humanity's ability and right to make its own decisions and to exist on its on its own plane like he doesn't have the right to impose his will on anybody yeah period unless they go around you know imposing their will on everybody like he does embody you know freedom and and justice and e- and equality yeah like no other hero does Man, even though I mean, for me, I could I could probably start a podcast and talk an entire year about Superman, but I feel like uh like we like we did some some good work today. Yeah. Superman would be proud. Yeah, we only got an hour. Yeah, and we've gone too. Oh boy! Thank you for traveling significantly slower than a speeding bullet with us through today's episode, folks. If you want to let us know how we did, please hit us up on the uh, social medias. We've got Facebook page. Geek Exploration the podcast. We're on Instagram at Geek Exploration Podcast and Twitter at Geek Explore Pod. Come interact with us, please. Speaking of interaction, we got an email from a listener, Ben. Oh shit! Who is not me? Yeah, mostly because I don't listen to the podcast. Yeah, it's also not me. I, I would be more clever if I was uh, <laughs> trying to come up with a different name. Going back to Star Wars, he asked us the question: Which Star Wars character would you like to die? Oh shit! So, John, who do you want to kill? <laughs> Fuck, Mary, kill Star Wars. Edition. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, let's see. Death. Finn from the new series. At first, it was just going to be like, because I don't really care for his character much. I don't think he does much. I don't think he adds a whole bunch to the story. Certainly not Last Jedi. But then I also thought about the end of Last Jedi when he should have died. Yeah, like, where he like, could have added something to yeah, the story. That sacrifice would have been great. And it didn't need to change. I mean, it wouldn't have had to change the end of the movie. No, not not significantly. And it would have. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think I think Finn's a good choice. Uh, I think I would also go. Uh, I mean, the new the new stuff is easy to kill folks on. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I could name a bunch of people. Kylo Ren should have died. I think yeah. that would have been great. Uh, Chewie. I think they, they could have killed Chewie and it would have had some meaning. But in general, uh, I'm going to go with C-3PO because I fucking hate that guy. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> no, I, I, he does not need to exist anymore. Yeah. Oh, man. I have a feeling this is going to be a dissatisfying answer for uh, for Ben because it's like, you know, of all the people like, oh, shit, do I kill Obi-Wan or, or Luke or Leia? Like, how would that change the landscape? But it's like, yeah, they've got some very killable characters. Wicked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what would happen if you killed C-3PO? Nothing. No, and it wouldn't change the story at all. I'm yeah. sure they've got another way to translate things. Yeah, you can't really say like, well, you know what? If I had to kill anybody off, Darth Vader at the beginning of New Hope. So you're like, oh, well, there there it goes. Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> yeah. Pod race accident gone, gone horrible. You're wrong. Well, cool. Thanks, Ben. We appreciate your emails. Yeah, thank you very much, Ben. On another note, we did get a five-star review from Grand Rapidians on Podchaser as well. Fuck yeah. Yeah, they said informative discussions about retro and geeky topics that I can relate to. Short and sweet. So thank you very much, Grand Rapidians. Yeah, thank you. Man, 
It it sure sounds. Uh, oh, you were saying the review was short and sweet. Yes, I thought, I thought they no, were, we they were saying in the review that oh, our boy. that our yeah. I was like, no, wow, we are I, not. I think we we talked quite a while. Did they listen? No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no, the review was short and sweet. Oh, okay, perfect. No, we really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And on the note of reviews, or we are approaching two thousand total listens, and uh, for that we are going to do a little giveaway. So yeah. once we hit two thousand listens. We got a few prizes set up to send out to anyone who enters. How do you enter? So to enter, uh, go on Podchaser or Apple Podcasts and uh, leave us a review. We will find a way to find you if you do that. So and anyone that's left a review in the past will automatically be entered. Yeah, and if it makes it easier for you, you could uh, do a little screen grab of it and either tag us on Twitter or shoot an email at geeksplorationpodcast.com. For the prizes, uh, anyone that enters, we will mail you some stickers. Yeah, we've got stickers. There will be uh, three prizes outside of that. Third place, we'll get a copy of uh, our Space Oddities Cold Open comic. Yeah, we created it. Second place, we'll get a Geek Exploration t-shirt of their choice and a Space Oddities comic. Yeah. And first place, we'll get a piece of custom art drawn by our very own John Williams. Hey, that's me. So yeah, you tell him what you want, and uh, he will draw it for you. And I will actually take my time, and I'll do the best job I possibly can. It won't just be a little sharpie sketch like uh, like some professionals do at conventions because they don't want to deal with you. I'll, yeah. I'll I'll do something nice for you. It'll be high class and frameable. Yeah, and uh, you'll also get a copy of Space Oddities. Yeah, so. that goes to all of our top three. So yeah. If uh, you guys are interested in that, please go give us a review, enter it, and then we're at about 1,800 total listens now, so uh, it won't be long before we hit 2,000, I don't imagine. I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Unless everyone just stops listening to the podcast. (laughs) And uh, we'll post all these details on the Facebook and the Twitter as well. So if you've enjoyed today's episode and you want to win some swag... Uh, go leave us a review on Podchaser or Apple Podcasts. Give us a, uh, hopefully a five Fortress of Solitude review. But uh, you don't have to give us a five-star review in order to enter. If you think we're total garbage, um, keep it to yourself. But if you think four stars is appropriate, feel free. Or five stars. And if you want to uh, peruse the t-shirt you could possibly win, uh, go check them out at shop.geeksplorationpodcast.com. As always, our theme song is Cruising for Goblins by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Until next time, up, up, and away!